Inside the 18, I'm Michael Majid, and with me is Omar Zini. And unfortunately, Trevor Styles had some kid duty come up at the last minute, so no Trevor Styles. Yes, unfortunately, but uh, the show must go on. Exactly, the show must go on, and we've got a really jam-packed show, so we got to get right into it. First off, everybody, thank you again for rating, reviewing, and subscribing. Uh, we're getting close to 100 reviews, which is our goal, so that's absolutely fantastic. So keep doing it. I want all of you guys to know the reason that we're asking you guys to review the show is not just because we're narcissists and we need to hear how wonderful we are. It's because it actually helps people find the show. Like literally, according to iTunes, according to Stitcher, like the more reviews they get, the easier it is for it to come up on the search bar, the higher up on the rankings we get, which means we can sh share more content with everybody. And honestly, guys, if you're listening to the show, just take two seconds. Just go on right now five stars, just write a quick review. It doesn't have to be, you know, the Game of Thrones finale. You know, it doesn't have to be two hours. It can be uh, just a short little thing like, uh, hey, uh, I can't stand Omar. Michael's pretty good. Or, you know, Michael's a disaster. Omar's pretty good. Where's Trevor? You know, those kind of things. And it'll be uh, absolutely fantastic. So if you guys could do that, that would be mean the world to us. Uh, before we, uh, we get started in that, we do like to thank everybody who's been reaching out and and again, if you, uh, if you want us to come to your town, I know a lot of you guys have been asking, contact at insidethe18media.com. That's the email address to reach out to. Let us know the spiel. Let us know your pitch. Let us know what you want us to do. And then we'll try to figure out a way to make it work. Uh, we want to benefit all the goalkeeping communities out there in any way we can. And that's another reason why we have the Patreon, guys. So patreon.com slash gkunion. If you join that, that money goes directly back into helping us put these trips together to benefit the entire goalkeeping community. Um, so again, our tour is going to begin this summer. We're starting July 21st at Camp Shutout. So shout out to everybody who's coming to Camp Shutout. We're really excited about that. And then we're going to put more dates to come after that. I know for sure we'll be in Orlando. So let us know if you're going to be in Orlando during MLS All-Star and, uh, and we'll try to figure some stuff out. Last bit of uh, house cleaning before we get into the show. The Roughneck Scarves have been shipped. If you want one, let us know ASAP, okay? We have a limited number of these, and let us know how many so we can hold them, okay? Um, again, guys, keep sending those reviews. And this one is from Ian Aristi, I believe it is, or Aristi. And he goes, I love the podcast, and your content has helped me obtain a deeper knowledge on goalkeeping. I have been in the U14 national team for Dominican Republic, yet I've been unable to believe in myself fully and fully enjoy my games. Any advice? First off, Ian, if you're in the U14 national team for the Dominican Republic, somebody believes in you because uh, that's, that's a pretty cool accomplishment, dude. I'm not going to lie. That's, that's pretty big time. It is, yeah. No, nah, I think uh, when, it, when it comes down to it, honestly, the goalkeeping position from a young age is very lonely. You kind of have to, you know, be, you know, have thick skin. You kind of have to understand that it's definitely brutal because you can make a mistake, like we all know, and people can forget about you and, you know, cast you out and they can get somebody else to come and replace you. But once you start really enjoying the process of getting, about, uh, getting better, whether that's watching film on yourself, watching film on professional players, um, really trying to take care of yourself with nutrition, trying to take care of uh, yourself with, you know, the, the more updated techniques of the modern goalkeeper nowadays. So whatever it is, I think that's when you start really fully enjoying the game. And then you also have confidence knowing that I've put in every single moment of my day to try and achieve the goal that I've set for myself at a young age and to get better. So I think that's where you start really fully enjoying the game for yourself and enjoying the game and the process as a whole. 
Yeah, you know, one thing I was saying to Ian, because I, I, I messaged him back and I said, you know, dude, I've, uh, I've only got so much time, so I'm going to make this short and sweet. And then I wrote like a page to him uh, <laughs> just because I'm passionate about it. And I want to help everybody as much as I can. As I said, there's a couple things. One is, is that remember that it's just a game. If you, if you make it more than it actually is, then you lose that joy about it. The whole reason that we play the game is because it's fun. So understand that first off, to have the opportunity, a lot of people out there don't have the opportunity to play for the U14 national team for the Dominican Republic, either because they're just not good enough, they don't have the ability, or they just don't have the, uh, the resources to make it happen. So accept, you know, first off, that appreciate what you have enjoy the fact that you even get the chance to have this type of experience and that if you're already playing at that level, that means somebody believes in you. So you should believe in yourself. Um, also, I said, listen to the episodes that we have with Dan Abrahams because he does a really, really good job talking about his game face, you know, that whole brave and confident that game face and choosing a goalkeeper to emulate that makes you feel invincible, you know, like a superhero type of thing. You know, at the time he had mentioned Neuer, you know, using Neuer as one, you know, so, so BC Neuer, brave, confident Neuer. Maybe that's not the guy you want to use anymore, but uh, no, that, that, that's a dig at Emmanuel Neuer, who's going to be a better goalkeeper than I've ever been in my life. But he did well you know this weekend. Saying. He did well in the final. I'll, I'll give him that. He's, he's gotten better. I'm happy yeah. with it. I was actually surprised that, uh, that he played in that final. We could talk about that DFP Poco later, but, um, but yeah, check out those episodes with Dan Abrahams and actually look out at danabrahamsport.com online and, and look at, read his, some of his books, Soccer Tough. Um, I know this sounds like it's an ad read for Dan Abrahams, but we really <laughs> believe in what Dan does. Uh, he does a great job and it's, and it's worth looking into it. And, and honestly, just enjoy the experience, man. And you I mean, you're 13 years old, dude, you got the whole goalkeeping career ahead of you. Um, just, man, what, what a cool place to be. And I wish I was 13 and, and playing at that level already. Yeah. And like, like we said, like, yeah, it's, it's just a game. Uh, but at the same time, too, you got to love your craft and really put everything you can into it. I think the biggest thing that left me worried before games was knowing that I didn't prepare uh, properly for that game or throughout that week, whether it was not getting the proper sleep, the proper rest, proper nutrition. I didn't do everything I could possibly do to put my best foot forward for that weekend. And that's what casted a doubt in my head and that's what made me nervous for games but once I got to uh, speak to a sports psychologist not Dan but somebody else they were just telling me hey you know most of your confidence comes from your preparation so make sure everything you do up until the game is pinpoint accurate everything you need to do is laid out so that once you get to the game all you have to worry about is, is the game not really about what you did in that week so that's my biggest thing is to really fully enjoy yourself you need to have confidence and to have confidence you have to have a laid out plan um, so that come the game, you've, you've already checked off all those marks. I'm just picturing a 13-year-old Omar with like a checklist at the game. Like just <laughs> opens up a notepad and there's just like all these little like notes to him. It's like, it's like the proper glove, the proper <laughs> ball to warm up with. Make sure that the grass is six, like Bill Belichick style. Make sure the grass is like six inches of height and like three inches wide. Like, you know, just very, very, very meticulous to make sure that it, it works out. Um, Ian, hopefully, hopefully that, it, that answers your question. And again, every goalkeeper in the world doesn't fully believe in themselves or fully enjoy every game. You know, you're going to have good games and you're going to have bad games. And uh, if everybody was 100% confident in their abilities, there'd be no such thing as pressure or stress. That's just human nature. You just understand you're human. Um, there's nothing wrong with that at all. Speaking of pressure, let's, let's get into uh, today's topic. Man, I am hot on that segue. Uh, that is a really... <laughs> uh, today's topic is uh, how to properly break a press. The reason I want to bring this up is obviously we got the UEFA final coming up this weekend and we got, you know, 
the whole the famous uh, Gegenheim Press that uh, that Liverpool puts on, and obviously this is becoming very common in the game today with teams pressing high, and a lot of goalkeepers kind of freak out at the younger ages. I've seen a lot of them not understand how to break the press. They think that breaking the press just means kicking the ball long. So let's let's kind of break this down a little bit, Omar, and let's let's talk about it. So what do we mean by a team that's pressing? You know what, Mike? I'm going to go into the uh, archives here of my head, and I'm going to go with uh, FIFA. So in, in FIFA, when we, uh, when we play it, they have a feature that has become very prominent now, and it's uh, press after losing possession. And what that means is once you lose the ball, your team is going all out. And you have like your right back, left back, or left mid, they'll start cheating and they'll, try, they'll start closing in the gaps to try and win the ball as quickly as possible. So we see that with uh, Pep's Barcelona, Pep's Man City, Klopp's uh, Liverpool. And you see how quickly they try and win the ball back. And what ends up happening for us as goalkeepers is that, you know, it's like they're baiting us into playing it short so they can step up and close us. Or uh, the goalkeeper is going to be used as a, as a last, you know, resort to receive the ball. And unless you're very, very good with your feet like an Ederson, I mean, if you see how sometimes teams will play against Man City, the tactic works until the ball gets to Ederson. And Ederson is just so calm on the ball and makes such, you know, uh, great decisions that they either keep the ball or he finds the ball over the top. So that's what I would say is the main focus about team pressing is they either press you after possession or they bait you for a short ball. And then from there, they press the, uh, the whole team up. What would you say, like, are there special, specific ways that a goalkeeper, a young goalkeeper can, can recognize signs that a team is about to press them? Uh, I think the biggest advice I can say is just scanning the field. I think that's the biggest one is kind of understanding, you know, certain body language of, of players. And especially, too, if you have a, a scouting report on the team that you have an idea, like from playing Liverpool, I know for a fact that Trent Alexander-Arnold is going to, you know, be cheating up. James Milner is going to be cheating up. Mo Salah, Mane, all those guys are going to be cheating and waiting and waiting for me to play that ball short. So understanding that, but if you're in the game and the team is going back and forth between pressing, not pressing, it's understanding and scanning body language throughout the entire field and seeing what the team is most likely going to do in that, in that sense, I would say scan it. And especially once that, you know, that ball's played out, understanding where your options are up the field. If you are, you know, played that ball back and you're in a pressure situation, having to look up the field and having to make an emergency pass down the field. I think uh, the number one thing for me is that whenever I see uh, a really uh, forward um their face just light up with joy when the ball goes to my feet and then they start sprinting <laughs> at me with with excitement I, I always say you know what that's a good sign that they're about to press no i think you brought up some really really good points uh again i think the scanning of the field is extremely important i think a lot of young goalkeepers focus specifically on one area of the field and they're not looking at the actual visual space around the entire field as in regards to the shape of the team and they're looking at just where the ball is is in play and that's why we have to be very good remember we talked about the communication episode being clear concise and direct because that's going to help your team in, in these types of situations. Yeah. So, so that's, that's something I also want to bring up is the fact is that I feel that goalkeepers need to be aware of the system and the shape changes by the opposing side. Okay. Because again, we're kind of in a, in a more calm situation than let's just say like a central mid who is kind of in the heat of the moment they're, they're kind of around the chaos, you know, we're kind of on the outside looking in and we can kind of help our team realize, oh, my gosh, they just went from bunkering to, to, to coming up high. You know, you've got to let your team know that, hey, you know, shape just changed, you know, like keep our shape, you know, starting to press, whatever. Very, very simple things like that. 
Yeah, yeah, and I would say too the the another big thing that I've I've noticed one you're talking about the scanning. It's you know our coaches to call it the Xavi. If you watch Xavi or if you watch uh, Iniesta or any of those guys before they even receive the ball, they're like you know it's kind of like an owl. They're just turning their head back and forth, back and forth, trying to see what's behind them, what's in front of them, so they know exactly once they receive that ball. They don't have to take an emergency touch. They can take an educated and calculated touch in the direction and in the space that's open. So that's, that's one thing as a goalkeeper you must do, uh, whether it's, you know, you're playing the ball out from a goal kick or a dead ball position, or you're getting the ball passed back to you and it's a one-touch, a two-touch clearance. You should scan the field and understand, okay, my left mid is over here. Okay, he's baiting the right back to step up. Maybe if I, you know, put this ball into that space, you'll have some space to run into with, you know, no pressure and my team is able to get up. You know, so little things like that, that's where I would say to try and pinpoint to make sure that just like with Xavi and Iniesta, their first, you know, two or three touches after they receive the ball are clean and um, calculated and educated. Same with us. We have to have understanding of what we see on the field. And remember, at the same time, too, when you look up for one second, that picture that you see can easily change once you put your head back down. So understanding that if option one isn't on, maybe option two, option two is not on, option three. So you always have an understanding of where to go if, you know, one or two is, is closed off. And then when it comes to the, you know, shape, shape changes and system awareness, for sure, you have to understand that. It comes from understanding the, the flow of the game, understanding what's going on in that very moment and saying, okay, maybe, you know, they've been successful in the last two or three presses. Maybe I shouldn't play this ball, even though it looks like it's on, they are for sure baiting me. Again, watch body language, see if the forwards are, you know, looking disinterested for a half second. But once you play that ball short, they're quickly jumping on it. So understanding uh, body language, understanding the momentum and the flow of the game. And at the same time too, just understanding the other team's system and what they're most likely going to do on uh, goal kicks or dead balls. Yeah. Anytime I see a team, just seem like they have no interest whatsoever at the fact that they just played the ball to my feet. I'm just like, oh, this is not a good situation because they clearly know something that I don't know. Um, also, that whole ostrich head scenario that Omar was talking about is very, very common in youth soccer. Again, the longer you put your head down looking at that ball, the longer the, the, the field is going to change. Um, also, you know, you're allowing time for teams to, to gain, gain ground on you. So, you know, you've got to really be aware of that. Um, yes, Mike, one, la one last thing about that sure. is that one thing that I've made mistakes on and one thing that I think a lot of us can definitely improve on. You never make it's... mistakes in distribution, Omar. Watch your... <laughs> uh, you know what? Through trial and error, I, finally, I got to where I am. But there was a time where my coach, uh, our assistant coach, Eric Mile at uh, Davis, he'd be like, Omar, you need to push everybody up before you clear the ball. Whether that's you playing it short, the defenders are playing it back to you for a one-touch, two-touch clearance. Everybody has to get up. And that's also the same thing, too, is understanding the system and the team you're playing against. So we would have teams that would, you know, drop off a little bit. I would play the ball short, and then they would slowly step up. And then I'll take a touch or two, then I'd clear it. But my defenders are so deep in our defensive third that any big ball down the middle, any big header, they can easily, you know, hit it 20, 30 yards back towards us in our defensive third, and now they're offensive third. And they have a guy who's sitting on top of the 18, or they have a guy who's sitting 25 yards out who's able to collect that ball and with no pressure more or less because our defenders or my defenders are, are so deep. And I think that's also an, an awareness thing as well is understanding, hey, if I'm going to play this ball short, I have to play it to an angle or play it to a side where if they do win the header, the ball either goes out of bounds or it goes down the line where we can use the, the sideline as a defender. I've seen way too many times, even the professional game, where Ederson or, you know, Allison will play the ball 
down the middle or barely at an angle and their defenders have like John Stones and those guys have been sitting, sitting so deep that a big header clearance can put that ball back 25 yards in your goal and now your defenders are having to have a guy post up on them waiting for the other team to join the attack. So that's what I would say too is understanding the pressure but at the same time too if you're not going to play it short push everybody up once everybody's up then you can play the ball it's a good target man but until then making sure everybody's up so you don't have to worry about you know playing defense in your uh, you know your defensive third like that. By the way, I I always thought about this that John Stones always sounded like a fictional character. He never sounded like a real person to me. I remember the first time I saw him when he was uh, he was at Everton, right? He was at he Everton. Was, yeah. yeah, he was at Everton, and they're like John Stones playing at center back, and I was like, dude, this literally sounds like a medieval character. There's Game no of way Thrones. This guy's real name. Yeah, exactly. He sounded like a Game of Thrones character. Uh, very good, very good, uh, very good center back though. Very good. With <laughs> Um, all right. So uh, let's, let's talk a little bit about what you were just saying in regards to pushing everybody up and, and then looking for the right target player. Because a lot of people, like I said, they think that you can't play short to break a press, that it's always about clearing the ball long. You know, the problem is, is that you can play short. You just have to be on the same page with everybody else and you have to make sure that you don't play it into dangerous situations. One of the reasons that Man City is good at breaking a press is because Ederson can combine with the other players. So he'll receive the ball player back quickly and then they'll play it back to him again in an, in a good space. So then he can clear it long type of a thing and not clear it long, but play it long. I think we saw, need to stop using the word clear when we're talking about long balls, because I think it confuses a lot of kids into thinking that it just means that there's no specific target player, but there is. Yeah. I think clearing it, clearing it is more of the situations when you're clearing it out of bounds nowadays. I think that's, that's the best thing too. And when you talk about, a team's press or playing out of the back. It's just such fine margins nowadays, Mike, where you see guys who all of a sudden they make a, a, a terrible pass down the middle, but their midfielder gets a slight touch on it. It goes to the left mid. And because that right back stepped on the midfielder, now this you know left mid has acres of space to run into. But if that right back had stepped up and closed down the midfielder and they win it, now you're retreating back to your goal. And now you're playing, you know, four on four coming at you. So it's just such fine margins and understanding the flow of the game, the momentum. And how many times, Mike, have we seen where it's 2-0 and the other team is, uh, you know, head down, down and out, and then a goalkeeper gets too fancy, tries to play out of the back, and then boom, they, they score a goal or they get an attack and a possession inside your half and get a shot on target and right away the momentum is switched back. So it's just understanding, again, flow of the game, momentum, uh, so many things on the table you have to really be, you know, paying attention to. But at the next level and at the level that we're all trying to play at, you got to be tuned in, zoned in the entire game. And then from there, you can make educated decisions on where you play your ball. Uh, do I want to clear this ball? Do I want to find a target, man? Do I want to push everybody up? Do I want to try and keep possession? Do I want to show at an angle where maybe I show for a one-touch clearance? There's just there's so much. But understanding in that the goalkeeper is the quarterback back there where your team, again, doesn't see what's going on up the field or can't really understand what the, the flow of the game is turning into if a team's baiting us, things like that. We're harping on the same topic, but it's so important. No, no, you never go off on, on, on the same topic uh, over and over again in a ramble. That never happens to you, Omar. No, it's, it's good. You, it means you're passionate about it. I personally think that there's the three places that you need to look for. Is the first is, is, is long. Is it on? If it's not on, then you don't play that ball. Just Don't just play that ball just because you think to play it long. Uh, wide is the second one. This is my personal favorite place to play the ball, honestly, to break a press. It's like at worst case scenarios, the ball is going to either go out of bounds or even if they lose the ball, your team is still in a situation where they can keep shape enough to allow 
uh, to delay time for, for them before they get a good goal scoring opportunity. And then the third is short. If there's a quick short ball that I can have the ball received back to me or they can play the ball in a better space, then I go there. But that's the riskiest place, in my opinion. That's kind of a last resort type of place. For me, I've, I come from a system where I've, I like playing in a system where try and keep the ball at all costs. Um, and I think that is where everyone's baseline and foundation should be. So at least you can get plugged into any system because anybody can step into a system where the coach says, hey, don't take any chances, boot it big. We have Roots up top. We have six, three, six, four guys. Let's find those guys' head, Peter Crouch style, and then we'll try and go forward. But most teams nowadays and most coaches nowadays with their philosophies are adapting to the short first, short, short, long. That's what we call it. So those kind of things. The short, short, long. It sounds like a, uh, it's, it sounds like a military drill. Short, short, long. <laughs> Actually, the, uh, like, the steps, short step, short step, long step. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. So the United States U20 national team has been away in Poland at the U20 World Cup, which sounds a little redundant for me to say U20 over and over and over again. But that's <laughs> kind of what's going on. A lot of U20 stuff going on right now. They played against Nigeria in a must-win game on Tuesday. They had a favorable result, which uh, puts them in a position to hopefully advance if uh, today's game, which will be yesterday's game if you're listening to this on a Friday. Uh, goes well. And Brady Scott came up huge for them. I was very, very happy with his performance. I felt he played the ball into good spaces, pairing it well. There was a hammered ball by a com of Nigeria who played in a good space. I mean, that was a rocket, wasn't it, Omar? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we talked about it, uh, you and I, just through text messages. Like, he was looking sharp. And I think that's what we needed from a goalkeeper. Um, And in a big tournament like this, how many times have we as the national team uh, not that we haven't gone through or not that we haven't done well, but our goalkeepers sometimes don't come up with those big time saves that, you know, can help us progress through the tournament or go uh, deep into a tournament. So, again, we've done a lot of pieces on CJ Dos Santos and David Ochoa, so we're more familiar with them. And Brady Scott, to me, was more of an enigma. I don't really know too much about him, but I've been, you know, pleasantly, pleasantly surprised seeing his progression through the tournament. Against Ukraine, he had, a, he had a decent game. Again, you know, we, we didn't come away with the result. But then we have this 2-0 win against Nigeria, and he has two or three big-time saves. Um, he, like you said, on crosses, he parries the ball into good areas away from danger. So he was the focal point, I think, in this game, and he got a lot of credit for, uh, for keeping us in it and keeping his shutout. In the second half, there were some times where he kind of came out and, you know, flapped at some balls. He was caught in no man's land. It didn't cost us. So I'm hoping that he's able to watch the film and understand in those moments uh, what he could probably do better so that uh, against Qatar today and then hopefully in the the knockout rounds, round of 16, quarterfinal, things like that, he has the ability to kind of have some uh, mental recall and, you know, push those balls away or stay home and uh, let his defenders do the job. So all in all, I'm happy with his performances, happy that he's been getting the credit that he deserves. Um, but um, we'll see. Still a long tournament to go, and hopefully he uh, builds momentum. What I really liked about Brady Scott was seeing his composure on the ball. You know, you don't get this in the highlights. You have to really watch the game to see a lot of the distribution, but he's very, very clean with the ball at his feet. This is a really good U20s team, and I don't want to jinx them, but very good possession-based team, and, and they're, they're solid playing that ball out of the back. And, and, and you got to watch his feet because they're so, so, so good. I thought it was Ter Stegen for a while. I was like, oh, my gosh, is that Ter Stegen there? <laughs> Uh, somebody even commented on the Pro GK page. If you if you look at the uh, the post that Omar uh, put up on Pro GK uh, a few days ago, they said, "Oh, is that Ter- that guy looks like Terstegen." Uh, so we can only hope that he's the next Terstegen. Um, I love the fact that on the bicycle kick in the second half, that he made the decision to touch the ball over the bar. I know the commentators were going like, "Oh, you should have just been able to catch that ball." You know what? Remember what happened to Jordan Pickford? It's yep. not even worth it. Not even worth it. Just uh, just put the ball over the bar. And, uh, and we get those three points. And that's, that's, I think, maturity. 
that's composure. That's that's good decision making. That's a leader right there. Unfortunately, the Nigerian goalkeeper Adamane, you know, you can see how a goalkeeper who's not at the same level can cost you. And I feel that he was kind of responsible for for some of the the uh, the issues that Nigeria had in the back. Yeah, I think the first goal that uh, Soto scored, he came out like halfway. You could even hear it on the YouTube highlights. It was an audible keeper, and unfortunately, he didn't come out. He came, you know, came out halfway, and then he retreated. And unfortunately, again, when you're caught in no man's land, fine margins, and you can either get uh, lucky the forward misses or your defender gives you a last-second clearance on the line, or unfortunately, like what happened to him, uh, Soto had an open header and uh, scored a goal that, you know, four or five yards out goalkeepers at that next level I mean what makes you a goalkeeper for years and years and years is those little decisions and what you know we didn't talk about it earlier but Petr Cech what he did super super well is he wasn't somebody who was taking chances if you watch Petr Cech most of the most of his games he parries the ball out into good areas so that uh, you know he doesn't have to worry about a mishandle or a bobbled ball for a rebound things like that he pushes it away and lifts to see another day and more often than not when you do that you're going to keep yourself more engaged in games and so Petr Cech Baller, unfortunately, the guy from Nigeria had a slip or two and uh, cost his team the game. Well, let's just go right into that, Omar. That's a great segue. Let's just go into Petr Cech and let's talk about the Europa final. Um, I'm sorry, first off. I'm sorry about that result. Know, um, uh, for those of you guys who are unfamiliar, Omar is a, a huge uh, Gunner supporter. So shout out to all the Gunner supporters out there that I know. Kyle Newman, Alexis Guerrero, Sandy Haynes. Uh, I mean, there's there's tons out there. I, I, I just can't even name them all off, off the top of my head, but there's there's a lot of them out there and they're a lot disappointed, but you know, still a great run this, this year. And uh, you know, you, you got to the Europa final. That's still a, a big feat. I mean, it's not easy to do that. Uh, Unai Emery's first year, you know, in charge. I mean, you know, there's only so much you can do, but let's talk about Petr Cech going out with class despite a disappointing result. I felt that he had a pretty darn good game for somebody who was put in a, in a rough situation. Yeah. I mean, after the first half, he, you know, he made some big time saves, uh, pushed the balls out into good areas um, there was one ball, too, where he almost had to, you know, because he's so tall, he had to sweep his own legs to, to, you know, dig that ball out. I was already, you know, curating the content. I was already posting it on Photoshop and trying to, you know, say, hey, this man with the big hand, you know, he, he made a crazy save and he kept Arsenal in it. And then Arsenal came back in the second half. And because of that save, they won. Omar, you know that that's how it gets jinxed, right? You can't. I know, I screwed up. Content, although, however, <laughs> Omar did put up a really nice post about Petr Cech. Um, so go on onto the Instagram channel and check that out. I think it was from yesterday. Yes, um, they're a couple of days ago because you're listening to this on a Friday. But you, you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, and it's just you know it's a testament, and um, you know he had a great game. Unfortunately, Arsenal is just in disarray, and they just you know don't they don't treat their goalkeepers nicely. It's been a while since they've treated their goalkeeper with uh, respect. It's been probably since uh, Jens Lehmann back in 04 where we had the untouchable season. So, you know, untouchable, invincible. Um, so we yeah, have the, the untouchable season would be a very different type of season, <laughs> a season that you wouldn't want to, uh, to want to uh, replicate. <laughs> but uh, I mean, it's just, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to veer a little bit away from the Europa final just because it wasn't a pleasant game. You know, you grow up in a, in a time like I did in 2006 when I was still young and watching a lot of these games. And the biggest team back then was, uh, was Chelsea. Arsenal had their time, which was why I love them. And that's why, you know, I, I gained support for them and Almunia, Lehman, Henri Perez, those guys. And then you have uh, Mourinho's Chelsea and Petr Cech has 24 clean sheets. They win the Premier League and right away, you know, they start getting all the national televised games. So from an early time, I didn't even know what height was, Mike. I don't even know how tall he was. So I, I try to replicate his game. And now that I've gotten older, I realize he's 
a few inches taller than me, so he can do he can get away with things just that, a few, that I just a few inches taller, Omar. <laughs> he can get away with a few things that I can't. But you know, watching him and and watching his career, just how good he was and how consistent he was, and just how humble he was. I don't think he ever said anything negative in the press, even when his you know he had some poor showings for the Czech Republic um, in the uh, in 2006 World Cup, 2008 uh, Euros. You know, he had some poor showings, but he never let his confidence dwindle. He never, even after he got kneed in the head against Wigan, you know what I mean? Like, he didn't, he never faltered. He, he got better. He got stronger. And then you saw it all culminate in 2012 in the Champions League final against Bayern Munich where he saves the PK. And then he goes to PKs and he saves another PK. And all that, and he just, you just, you know, you, you see his last game yesterday and unfortunately how he went out. And everything from his past and his career kind of comes back to me. And just kind of, you know, makes me appreciate him and, you know, respect him that much more. So it's, uh, you know, it was, it was a sad sight to see an unfortunate situation that he had to finish his game and his career like that. But uh, much love, much respect for him. And, um, again, he went out with class and had some big-time saves uh, for Arsenal yesterday. Uh, just go back and, and watch the highlights of, of the game because apparently Omar doesn't want to break it down at all. He's like, you know what, let's just move on. Let's just not <laughs> talk about this. But point-blank save uh, on Emerson uh, in the first half, uh, the Giroud save, you know, the low ball save in the first half, um, even the Hazard strike, you know, that he parried low. I mean, just all, really good decision-making, just such a class goalkeeper uh, all the way around. Even when they were getting hammered, he stayed composed, he stayed strong. Dealt with obviously the head issue, uh, brought a lot of awareness to uh, to, to to head trauma and uh, and all of that. So that was really important and 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 changed the game in that respect too. I want to bring up real quickly before we move on. Though, I want to bring up Kepa coming out on that Cobra on the 50-50 that almost cost them the PK. Omar, do you feel that he would have been better off to come out into a block there instead uh, to protect himself and, and 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 the team from potentially you know the the player going down on that? Yeah, no, I That's think Lacazette through ball. Yeah. Yeah, and I think uh, initially when it came off of, uh, you know, the foot, I think it was Ozio or somebody who played that ball through. Uh, was it Lacazette? I think Lacazette was the it one. Was it Lacazette? It was on the through ball, yeah. Gotcha. So when the, the initial ball was played through, I think most keepers, the way the ball shaped and the way it, it came through, if I was Kepa, I probably would have done the same thing and try and beat the forward to the ball. Um, especially, but in those situations too, you have to have the, you know. So you would have gone down and wrapped around like he did. I think so. Yeah, I think because the initial ball that came through, it like there was so much space between the forward and Lacazette or the the ball and Lacazette, so that I think initially, if I'm Kepa, my mind is triggering me to go out and try and get there before the forward. But two things that would happen in that situation for me is if I know I'm not going to get there before the forward and I'm already falling, I'm for sure I'm putting my hands in a position where the referee can see them, so he knows that I'm not touching the forward at all. And I think unfortunately some keepers will flap at the forward's feet. And when that happens, it's a 50-50 chance that the forward either gets there before you or you get there before him. So I think uh, for me, I probably would have, if I did go down and I would have done what Kepa did, I would have put my hands kind of up a little bit so the referee can see where they are so there's no uh, blurring of the lines of, hey, did you foul him? Did you not foul him? Um, second thing is, like you're saying, is maybe come out and do a spread. In that situation, again, the picture that you see on the initial ball is different sometimes than what actually happens because initially you can see that ball come through and you can think, oh, I'm for sure going to get there first. And you come out halfway and all of a sudden the forward makes up that ground that uh, you otherwise wouldn't have even you know, noticed on the initial pass. So you see that. And what I would have done is come out fast approach, slow arrival, come out quickly, seeing that they're going to get there first. Then all of a sudden probably slow my body down or pause a little bit to stay big. And then hopefully give my defenders a chance to get behind me if they try to go over my head uh, because of the distance that I've already covered. Um, so those two things is just situational awareness and really trying to make a decision in that split second. 
I would have actually gone past the player. I think one of the problems is that he went at the ball rather than around and past the ball to, to uh, quote-unquote, block the ball. Um, because he went to the ball, you know, the player's feet are right there. And if he doesn't get the ball, he's, he's going at it. So my advice would be is if you are going to go down in that situation is to go past the ball into a, I don't know why I'm visually trying to show you Omar, because this is an audio <laughs> podcast, but you guys, uh, you guys, I'm sure if you guys go on uh pro GK, you could see, uh, what we're, we were talking about in regards to what he did and, and what he, what he could have done. Maybe Omar can even put up a video to showcase what he should have done in that situation. Yes, um, because we know better than, you know, uh, Premier League players. That's, that's what we do. Um, <laughs> all right, let's, uh, let's move on. Speaking of the Premier League and speaking of, uh, of finals, let's talk about the UEFA final uh, this weekend, which a lot of people are very excited about. Um, another all-English affair, Spurs and Liverpool. And uh, what we were going to do was we were going to have uh, Trevor break down Hugo Lloris because he's such a big Spurs fan, but he's still dealing with kid stuff. And, uh, and Omar do Allison because he, he's such a big Allison uh, supporter. That, uh, that we wanted to see uh, how compare and contrast these notes right here. So let's, let's ourselves do this right now. So Omar, Professor Goalkeeping, tell yes. us a little bit about what to expect from Hugo Lloris in this game and, uh, and from Allison Becker in this game. Okay, I'll start with Allison because that's where I'll have my notes. But I think Allison just needs to conquer the demons of Liverpool goalkeepers, unfortunately, what happened last year and what's happened with Mignolet and those guys. They do really well up until the final, up until a you know, big, big-time game. And they somehow, you know, start making these out-of-pocket uh, decisions and it costs their team. And as we've seen this year with Allison, there have been times where we talked about it today when the other team's having a high press. And instead of booting the ball down the field, there are times where he chips the ball over the oncoming pressure and then he recovers it after he chips it over. Or he takes too many touches and he puts Van Dyke and those guys under pressure. So I think the biggest key to success for him is obviously playing within who he is, uh, which I think he has been in the past few games. But at the same time, too, don't put yourself or your team in bad positions based off of an extra touch or you're trying to add your own flair. Um, as we've seen against Barcelona, he was just so solid and made saves that he needed to make. And after he made those saves, he wasn't, you know, questionable with his feet. He gave his team the peace of mind, knowing that any ball back there, he's going to be smart enough to play the ball long or to try and find an open man down the field. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping for him. He's secure. He's confident, but at the same time, too, he doesn't try to do too much of his Brazilian style because in these cup finals, it's, such, it's so cutthroat. Um, one goal or, you know, one mistake, and as we saw last year with Karius, it can cost you. So that's where, I'll, that's where I'll leave it with Allison. And then with Lloris, I would say the same thing. I mean, as we've seen in the past, he, he has the ability to make these amazing saves in games. Um, you see it with uh, Arsenal versus uh, Tottenham this past year where he made an Obama Yang last-minute penalty kick save that preserved the tie and launched them forward in their, in their Champions League campaign. And then you have, it was against Arsenal again, he makes a mistake on, I think it was Mustafi or one of those guys' uh, uh, headers that he doesn't collect, drops it and they tap it in. I'm hoping that he can actually have those games where he's confident, but not like we saw him in France in the final where he, you know, <laughs> he tries to clear the ball at the last second and gets deflected in the goal. So I'm hoping that the good, uh, the good Lloris comes out and we have a good final between the goalkeepers with no mistakes. Again, they're very good shot stoppers. They have their own flair with their feet, but don't let the flair cost them. To be honest with you, I think that kind of Lloris has the edge in this final because he's got the experience of the World Cup final. He's got the experience of being in these, in these big matches before. And he, he's, he's a gamer. He's one of these guys. I mean, obviously there was the mistake in the World Cup final, which, uh, which luckily didn't, didn't cost them and they still won the World Cup. But, but he comes up with 
huge, huge saves. I mean, yes, he'll be good for a good blunder here and there, but then he'll he'll come up huge. Uh, Allison more consistent. Allison higher percentage on the passing rate. You know, if uh, if it comes down to a big time situation, let's say on a set piece diving header type of shot and Lloris having to extend himself to make the save, I give it to Lloris. Um, and I think it just depends on how the final goes. And hopefully these guys, if they're not involved in the game, they stay sharp. And if they are called upon to make a save or called upon to, to build the ball out of the back, that they're smart and calculated in their approach. And you'll see um, my best bet we'll see in the first like 10, 15 minutes in most games, especially in finals. Teams are just testing each other out, feeling each other out, feeling what the strategy is, understanding what the formation is. So hopefully these guys boot the ball up the field, let their team, you know, possess in the, their, their offensive half um, without really causing too much of a concern in their, their defensive third. I, I'm saying it's three to one Liverpool. You think? Yeah, I think it's three to one Liverpool. I think what's going to happen is they'll be close, close for a while. Then they'll, then they could potentially, you know, equalize. And then, then Liverpool is, is going to score. Tottenham will have to try to make make a run, and then they'll they'll get a late one. That's I'll go. To, I like that. I think. Uh, I, I mean, I'm hoping either way it's a win-win. Because I mean, I, as an Arsenal fan, I don't like Tottenham uh, just because of the history of it all and like the location and everything. But <laughs> but uh, no, one but, of the uh, forty teams in that city. So you know, but anyway. very true, very true. But uh, but no, I think I like Liverpool. I have a lot of friends who are supporters of Liverpool, and based on the goalkeeping matchup, I'm gonna have to give the edge to Allison. Um, and I think it's going to be – I'm guessing it's going to be 2-1 to one Liverpool, maybe maybe 2-2. Two, two. They go to overtime, and Liverpool wins at 3-2 in overtime. But, again, anything can happen, and that's what we love about these finals. Oh, I would love to see that. That would be an exciting game. I, I would be much more excited about that than a 3-1 to one game, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, so yeah. let's, hope, let's hope your prediction comes true. Um, speaking of people who have been playing huge lately, uh, shout-out to Aubrey Bledsoe, our friend over at Washington Spirit. She's been killing it. She was player of the week for week seven for NWSL. Washington Spirit, one of the top teams in MWSL right now. Arguably, I'd say that Aubrey is playing as, as the best goalkeeper in the league right now. She's been unreal. Uh, she's allowed just four goals in six games this year, which uh, obviously that's a testament to her defense as well too. But, uh, but, but she's been huge, man. And, and, I, and this win against the Red Stars was just some really, really, really amazing saves. And by the way, Aubrey, since you are listening, because uh, she is a listener of the show, guys. That's right. It's really crazy when we find out that like people that we talk about on the show listen to the show. We go, oh, we really need to be careful with what we say about people. <laughs> no, for sure. And I think, I think you've brought her good luck, Mike. You've, uh, you've been putting out a lot of content for her, and I think she deserves it. She said, she said we manifested uh, this, uh, this season for her with uh, the way <laughs> we've been talking about her. Yeah, no, I, I think that's and that's super cool, and I really enjoy us having to, you know, having the ability to to reach out to these players and um, have contact with them and be able to have dialogue with them during their season because um, you know, it's just exciting to to have those contacts around the league and uh, be able to get those ideas from them, and hopefully we can have her on sometime soon to you know have her discuss how she manages her her nerves and how she manages um, a good what run nerves, of Omar? Come on, it's <laughs> Aubrey. We've talked about it before, man, but I'm hoping that she, uh, you know, continues to play the way she does. And in a year or two, when the, the new cycle for the World Cup comes about, hopefully she's, she's actually considered. I think she is, um, she's somebody that we can look at uh, and we've seen in the past few years and especially in this past few games as somebody who's consistent and has the, uh, the ability to play in big games. So we'll see. We'll see what happens in the next cycle, but I think that she should get some serious consideration. Yeah, I mean, obviously, this is the, it's a tough pool when it comes to the U.S. Women's National Team, but but I would say that she's she should she deserves to 
be at that level. Um, if she was almost any other country right now, she'd be in France, no question, hands down. You know, that that save through traffic on Casey Short was textbook for me. That low to the corner one, uh, yeah. late in the second half, I think it was. She kept her shape nice and solid. So shout out to Ian if uh, you've been working on that with her um, because it looks <laughs> fantastic. I'll be like, no, that's just me. I can do that. I don't need Ian for that. But it was See, there's the thing. A lot of times when a ball comes in through traffic, a lot of players, their shape is really bad because they can't – they read the flight of the ball because they don't see it until the last second. She keeps her shape and her starting position so well that even though it comes through traffic, she's able to parry that ball nice and low and kill it. I like the way that she honors every single situation before she actually gets to the final shot. I think a lot of times people will run into a set position or trying to get into a spot based on where they think the ball is going to go versus actually respecting um, every specific pattern that the ball like plays through, um, especially on 1v1s. I see a lot of people will fall down or go down early. Um, and like you said with her, she was able to go from the near post. She, it was a cutback, right? She, she started the near post, and as the ball came across, she, she trailed it, trailed it, and then she didn't um, – I didn't feel like she lost stability. She stayed big, had calm feet, and then when the shot came, she was in a good set position to actually get down for that ball. Again, it's hard because we're doing a podcast. So a lot of people don't see what we're talking about. Well, no, it's very simple. Uh, just go on online. If you go and watch these saves, that actually NWSL does a great job of, of showcasing kind of the players of the week and little highlights of them. So you can go on there and see those highlights and you can see what we were talking about. Well, then we'll leave it in the show notes. Or, or it'll be on the Pro GK Academy channel because, uh, because Omar will put it up there. <laughs> it will be. Yeah, it will be. It will be at some point. I already have, I have my post for the next two days because I'm, I'm me traveling a little bit. So I have it already curated. But Aubrey, you will be on there, I promise. All right. So let's, uh, let's move on into MLS and let's talk a little bit of uh, LA Galaxy. You know, um, Omar's a big Galaxy supporter and yeah. David Bingham has been playing well as of late. Uh, Galaxy had had a little rough patch. They'd been a uh, four games losing. And then uh, obviously the Zlatan incident did not help things a lot with the Sean Johnson grab. But now they're on a two-game win streak and uh, David Bingham's been playing actually well. A lot of that can be attested again, too. Compared to last season, the, the back line has been night and day with Scalotto in charge as, as, the, as the coach this year. Um, but Bingham has been making uh, some pretty good decisions. Um, the game against Orlando, the huge PK save in the 34th could have completely changed the game. Yeah, I was telling my brother this. We were watching them play against the Red Bulls. Unfortunately, they did lose that game. But the biggest thing that any team, and you have a, you know, aspirations of winning a league or you have aspirations of winning anything, um, as Sir Alex Ferguson said, Every goalkeeper, a good goalkeeper for you to win the league, you have to have them win you 15 points. And you see with Peter Schmeichel, you see with Bender Saar, you see with De Gea, all those guys who have you know, helped him win leagues, they've had to come up in big moments. And you know, I'm not going to compare Dave Bingham to, uh, to De Gea just yet, but for the Galaxy lately, he's been making those big-time saves that keep us in games, whether it's the PK save that uh, could have you know, ended up being 1-1 um, he makes that PK save. We end up preserving the shutout. We preserve the win. And now we have three points. We're, you know, right on the heels of uh, LAFC versus we lose two points. We tie the game up or they score the PK. And then, you know, because of that momentum boost, come back and they score a second goal. And now we have zero points leaving from Orlando. So the biggest thing that I've loved from Dave Bingham this year is that he's making key saves in key moments and keep us in, keeping us in games. And he's winning us points, whether it's a draw or a win. He's keeping us in games, and I think that's the biggest difference between, you know, the last few years of, of Galaxy goalkeepers. We have those situations where we're, you know, it's 0-0 completely against the run of play, and, you know, Chicago Fire or somebody will have a counterattack and they'll score. But this year, David Bingham is making those saves, and now we're, you know, going back on the offensive and we're getting those goals and we're getting one or two zero wins because of him. So 
shout out to him. He's had a lot of maturity, a lot of growth in the last year or two coming from San Jose where he was the number one and now he's with the Galaxy. He's really solidified himself as a number one. And as a fan and as a goalkeeping fan, I'm super happy to see that because as we all know, Mike, you need a good goalkeeper to win something and the Galaxy haven't won in a long time. And I think it's because we haven't had a good goalkeeper back there. So excited for him and that moving forward and hopefully uh, he hears this and uh, you know, it's not bad luck. Yeah. I mean, look, I mean, look, we've, we've reached out uh, to, to, to Bingham about, uh, about coming on and, and Cal North brethren, we got to get you on. Uh, my only, my only thing that I would say negative towards, towards David in his game still is that he's got such range and he's so athletic that sometimes he's a little overconfident and, and he kind of comes out for balls that maybe he necessarily should have stayed online for. For instance, in the 67th minute against Orlando, uh, there's an in-swinger that he came out for, and he kind of loses sight of it. And uh, should he have stayed in that situation right there, Omar? Uh, in that situation, I think he probably should have because the initial trajectory of the ball was it was descending. So, you know, as the ball left, the, I think, Sasha Kleshton's foot, it came off high and then quickly it dropped. So I could see why he came out a little bit early. Um, but once you notice that ball is descending, you got to either stay on your line or call and call away or you got to get there first. And unfortunately, he didn't either. He came out and he kind of flapped at the ball. And very fortunate that he was actually able to at least get his hand in the way where the forward almost had to close their eyes because they lost sight of the ball. So he did. He was effective in that sense. But, uh, I mean, how many times has that happened to us, Mike, where we, uh, we come out and, unfortunately, we flap at the ball and we either get super lucky if the ball doesn't go in and we're, you know, we walk away with a lesson or, unfortunately, we get scored on and it's, it's, it's happened. And, or you can pull what Wellington Moises Hernandez did for Ecuador in the U-20 World Cup where he came out for that ball, flapped at it, missed it, and he went down with his shoulder as if he'd gotten dislocated shoulder. His but, arm got pulled. His arm did get his pulled. His arm got pulled. Okay. His arm got pulled. So I'll give him okay. that. But, hey, okay. Okay. Be, <laughs> at the end of the day. Selling, right? You got to sell it. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. The worst part about his, though, the Ecuador goalkeeper that I didn't like, is that, yes, you sell it, but the ball was still in play. Like, he was on the ground, you know, crying for a foul. I'm like, dude, yeah, you don't get the foul right away. The referee doesn't call it. Get back on your feet, finish the play out, and then you cry like all hell. You tell the referee, this is what happened, blah, blah, blah. But he stayed on the ground and the ball almost went in. So that was my only cause of concern with that. Also, Aubrey just messaged me right now as if she knew we were talking about her on the podcast. It was hilarious. <laughs> Good timing. Aubrey, don't want to put you on blast. We just did. Do we keep that in? Anyway, uh, moving on. Let's, uh, let's, let's finish up with MLS a little bit and talk about Brad Guzan's double save. It's been all over the internet. It has been pretty unreal uh, yesterday in the uh, Minnesota-Atlanta game, which uh, Atlanta is, is, is doing well again, and obviously Brad Guzan's been really in form. But uh, kind of a hilarious situation, but also showcases complete, complete focus and discipline at the same time. A lot of goalkeepers freak out in this situation on that double save. He stayed in the moment, and he stayed poised with the ball the whole time. Uh, this is in the 74th minute. Uh, Stan called it the, uh, the, the hot – what was the hot pocket? No, the, the, the hot pocket. Pop tart in the toaster. The hop tart. <laughs> the pop tart in the toaster, and the plate's fifty yards away. So go on uh, Camp Shutout's uh, page, uh, and you can see this. But this was pretty hilarious. Um, but it's also still pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. And I, you said it's all about focus. I think he did a great job of of getting into a set position. And again, I mean, when when chaos ensues, you unfortunately have to kind of play for what it is and improvise. And and improvise, yeah. And I think he did a really good job of that. It was a, such a scattered moment, like right on the line. And that any mishit or, you know, bad tap in the wrong direction can, that could have easily led to a goal. 
Um, so I was, you know, I'm very impressed with Braguzan in that sense. And especially after he made the, the initial save, he gets back up to his feet and then finds his way back to his line. And um, again, it's just that uh, hand-eye coordination to kind of tap that ball out and put it into a less dangerous area and then to jump on it afterwards. Um, of course, I don't think he agreed. I think what happened was he made the first save and it hit the uh, forward on the hand and he was yelling for a handball, but the, the play continued and he was able to keep his sense of him. And once he got, was able to jump on the ball, he went to the referee and told the referee off, like, hey, this was a handball. Well, how could you not see it? But again, we talked about the Ecuador goalkeeper. Unfortunately, sometimes people will get caught in the moment, try to argue things and try and say things to the referee to try and get them to blow the whistle. And they lose sight of what's actually in front of them. And then they, uh, they get scored on. So props to him and props to Atlanta United because of his form, I, I would say. They're doing extremely well now. So shout out to Atlanta United. Speaking of shout outs, we got to give a shout out to Aston Villa moving back up to the Premier League. Uh, they beat Derby County two to one in the championship playoff final, which I think they called a $180 million game because that's how much money is on the line. Not a lot of highlights goalkeeping wise in this situation. Uh, Jed Steer played for Villa. Kel Royce, a uh, friend of the show, played for Derby County. Uh, unfortunately, did not go his way. He had some... Uh, some issues in that game and there's been a lot of flack on social media but I think it's a great example this game of of showing composure and even when things are not going your way because you're going to have those games guys he still stays focused he still stays confident and uh, just the fact that they got that far is a huge accomplishment uh, for himself and for the club. Absolutely Uh, you know shout out to him unfortunate way to go out uh, I saw him on Instagram yesterday and he posted, you know, a very apologetic post, kind of like what we saw with Karius in the uh, Champions League final last year. And unfortunately, you know, the, the first goal, not much he could do about it. It was kind of a teasing ball in, like we talked about, with, you know, David Bingham, a teasing ball in. And unfortunately, one of his defenders lost their mark and nice easy header from six yards out to the bottom corner. So I won't give him any flack for that one. But unfortunately, the second goal that he conceded, it was one of those situations where I think the ball was deflected. It went straight up into the box. And he, he should have come out where, you know, trying to catch the ball at the highest point. But he jumped up and let the ball come, try to come to his stomach. And unfortunately, you know, when the ball gets that deep, your head stays up here, your eyes stay up here, and you lose that hand-eye coordination. And he, he literally dropped the ball on top of a forward's head. And the forward didn't know anything about it, hit his head, and it went in. And they ended up losing the game 2-1 to one off of that mistake. So, unfortunate situation. Like you said, Mike, he, I was, we're happy to see him rebound and at least, um, you know, come back and, uh, just have somewhat confidence in those moments where you feel the lowest in, in your life, probably or in your career. Um, you're in front of all those fans. You've done such a, such a great job the entire year to get yourself into that position. And to, uh, unfortunately, you didn't know it at the moment, but to go out like that, it's, it's just for any goalkeeper, it's, it's super sad, but um, you know, hopefully in the next year or two, or, you know, in the next year, he comes back and especially with Karius, you see where he's at now. And, and I think a lot of young kids need to follow Kelly Rosa's story and see where he comes from this moment because this, these moments can either make you or break you. And we're really hoping that, uh, like you said, my friend of the show, hopefully that um, he's able to rebound and have a great season next year. And we'll see him in the Premier League in uh, 2020. Yeah, I was, gu- I, I was gutted to see the, uh, the, the way that that turned out because it was unfortunate because especially that, that first goal – he actually made the right decision. He started coming out, read immediately that he could not get there in time, so dropped a line, was prepared for the rebounding ball, and unfortunately, his defender you know, missed the mark, like you said, and, and there was literally no chance because that gap was just completely wide open. And then I see a lot of people, too, on, on, on the interweb, and they start you know, posting videos of him mishitting that ball like they've never mishit a ball before. 
you know, um, those things happen, you know, but that's a, another reason too, why, you know, you've just got to stay in the pocket and stay composed because, you know, he didn't mean to hit that ball the way he did. He meant to hit that ball wide and he mishit it and it went down the middle, but he was back in position and he was ready for the shot in case that happened. So look, guys, you got to go look at the good and you got to look at the bad. You got to look at both, you know, shout out to Jed Steer though. Good save near the end. Good, good post uh, coverage on the near post right there on the Jaden Bogle shot. Yeah. You know, there's really nothing he could have done on the on the goal that, that Darby scored. You know, it was kind of a route one play up the field direct. And, uh, man, you know, sometimes when it's on, it's on. And not a lot you can do when they play the ball up and over like that. He did, he did the best he could. Yeah, um, we're hoping, hoping, hoping uh, Steer, you know, keeps his position. We've talked about this, you and I, Mike, about, you know, a lot of these goalkeepers, and especially in the MLS, where you're a new franchise. And if you're the starter for that team in the USL or you're the starter for that team in the championship, unfortunately teams will look to to get somebody who's more established and uh jet steer i mean i i feel like he should be given a chance and i i hope he will hopefully he comes into next season and he's the starter and you know it's his position to lose i'm getting tired of seeing you know these guys put their blood sweat and tears for these teams and then the next year they come up to the uh the next division and they're, they're getting replaced yeah and they're getting and they're getting replaced by guys that are kind of not 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 even that big of an upgrade type of a thing it's not like they, they bought a world-class goalkeeper but it's more they bought a guy you know who has premiership experience but maybe he's been a third string or something like that and just to say that they have a premiership goalkeeper you know uh on the squad but uh yeah. what i did like about steer in that situation is that he does what i tell all the kids to do which is let the defense come back and prevent the shot by delaying 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 so he saw that ball route one come back he got back into position, allowed his team time to delay before they had to come out for another goal scoring opportunity. Unfortunately, they were able to, to find that in the second play in the mixer. But, uh, but you know, hey, those, those things happen. Absolutely, um, yeah. And a uh, final thing before we, before we get out of here is that I want to bring this up because uh, he's a very polarizing figure in the world of goalkeeping polarizing figure in the world of, uh, of, of soccer in general, especially in the United States because of the infamous tweet, which, you know, what did you do when you were 16? Jonathan Klinsman, it, the rumor is that he's expected to leave Hertha Berlin and, uh, and join Rangers. You know, we debated about this on, off, off the air, Omar. Um, is this a, a good move? Is this a, a lateral move? Is this a, a, an upgrade? Uh, is it, is it, what, what is this for him? Yeah, honestly, I think it's a great move. You know, again, right now, I think Germany is pumping out a lot of great goalkeepers. So probably in terms of in terms of opportunity, in terms of um, him getting an actual chance to to progress in his career and have a, a chance to play and show every week, I think Rangers might be an, a great opportunity for him. I don't know too much about their goalkeeping situation over there, but I think in terms of in Germany right now, again, because the pool for the national team is so, so deep, I think he'll have a better chance with Rangers. And I'm hoping that Mike, he gets his opportunity. I haven't seen too much of him, so I can't really speak speak to how good he is or I've only seen him in the world cup, the U 20, I think world cup uh, a year or two ago. And I thought he was okay. Nothing. There was, there weren't any qualities that he had like, uh, you know, Navas might not be the most you know, technique oriented goalkeeper, but he has an amazing shot stopping ability because his reactions are off the charts. So that's a redeeming quality that Navas would have. But with Klinsman, I just, sometimes when I see him play, I'm kind of just like, like, bleh, like it's kind of bland. Um, and I don't want to say that in a negative way, but that's just how the way I've been seeing him, the way I feel well, about him. Jonathan Klinsman reminds me of a young David Bingham, to be honest with you, in regards to how he moves, how how, how well he is. I mean, Klinsman's actually really darn good with his feet. Um, and I think sometimes so much so that he he sometimes can make a poor decision because he's so overly confident with his feet. Gee, what what, what a shock that, that Klinsman's son would be good with his feet. I know, isn't that crazy? <laughs> 
But uh, but yeah, I, I hope the the move to Rangers is the right one for him. You know, obviously it's going to be competitive playing. You know, that's not just playing in the SPL. That's actually playing uh, at one of the storied clubs in the SPL uh, who plays in Europas and, and those sort of things. Did they qualify for Europa this year? I don't even know. No, it was Celtic. Celtic finished first. Yeah, they, they're in Champions League. So. Second. Kil- Kilmarnock, Aberdeen, Hilburnian, all third, fourth, fifth. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. So oh, we're going to get – we got some hips goalkeepers coming on soon, so uh, so we should we should catch up on our Scottish knowledge. That's what we got to do. <laughs> we got Tim- Timothy Weah also in that with with Celtic, so there's a lot of uh, you know good Americans going through the system over there. So hopefully it turns out they pump out well, and hopefully uh, you know Klinsman gets an opportunity because that'd be awesome. Yeah. Uh, all right, guys. As you can tell from Omar's voice right here, uh, we're exhausted. We've been going for I don't know what's it been a four-hour episode or so. <laughs> it has been it's been quite the episode. Yes, it's been quite the episode, but that's okay because through the magic of editing, we're going to make this sound incredible for all of you guys. So you guys won't even know what we're talking about whatsoever. As Omar looks at his phone. Uh, <laughs> all right, guys. That's all the time we got on Inside the 18. Again, contact at insidethe18media.com for questions, comments. Keep sending those reviews. Uh, keep telling Omar how amazing he is on all those Bro, G- Bro GK videos. Uh, we're going to be trying to do a better job of connecting all the content from the podcast and the videos and the YouTube. So it's all like kind of packaged together. So it's a, an incredible uh, viewing experience for all of you guys. So uh, if there's something you like, uh, keep telling us that we, we want to see more of that. If there's something you don't like, tell us, but maybe tell us politely so uh, we don't hate ourselves for the rest of our lives. All right. Later, guys. We're out.